Hello and welcome back to another episode of Horribly Happy. I'm your host Jenna. And I'm your host Sophie. And we're double recording right now. We are double recording this week. So we just recorded an episode and now we're on to number two. Yeah, so we just recorded the episode that you likely listened to last week covering Jacob Waterling and the amazing hike of Dick. Um, and now we are going into another one. We got to get a couple episodes out because we're both going on vacation. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was actually funny. We didn't even think about it. And then just a couple days ago, you're like, um, Sophie's going on a vacation for a full week. And then I'm, we overlap one day where we're both going to be in the airport. And then I'm going on vacation for a full week. So we're yes. gone two weeks. Straight. Yes. So, um, obviously we, we can't, rec- and we're not like bringing equipment to record no because these are vacations and unnecessary we gotta take a break too yeah (laughs) um but we didn't even think about it and you were just like um what are we doing and i was like oh yeah we've got to double up so here's the tentative plan well we're for sure double recording right now yeah boom boom but but i think i have to host a solo or bring in a guest, yes. TBD, um, for the week after because Jenna gets back not really in time to record and edit and then release. So yes. um, I'm going to attempt to do that because <laughs> Jenna always does that. So ooh, stay tuned. <laughs> I think you'll do great. Yeah. We just got to make sure your little iPad has the capabilities of doing it. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to get into podcasting, don't get an iPad. <laughs> In your, in your defense, you got an iPad long before we had the idea of starting a podcast. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, but if you are starting a podcast, it doesn't have all the capabilities that you need or you need attachments and stuff. Yeah, and like Jenna said, it's just like a giant phone. So like it's harder just to do things on your phone than a yeah. laptop sometimes. So that's that's really it. Like it's possible. It just isn't hasn't been like the easiest yes so that's the tentative plan hopefully um things go smoothly if not bear with us if there's any announcements that need to be made we'll make them on our instagram horribly happy pod yeah and yeah that's the plan we're both excited for our trips and we'll update you about them afterwards yeah in a few weeks i guess you'll have to update yeah i guess i can do an update when i do my solo and then so if you want to if you want a guest spot hit us up <laughs> hit me up we might have a few people fighting for this guest spot yeah actually some people want to oh my gosh what? i said erin should be your guest host but she's gonna be in ireland with me oh my gosh I'm my Duh. sister erin yeah so it can't be erin oh, okay still we have some other options but yeah um if you're interested maybe we'll consider you maybe Write us in. <laughs> horribly happy pod on Instagram or horribly happy pod at gmail.com. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the rundown for the next couple weeks mm-hmm. for us. Um, we wanted to talk about, since we're podcasting right now, we want to talk about what podcasts we listen to personally on yes. a regular basis. Yeah. So we're just going to share kind of our favorites, what we, what's we what been our go-to for however long we've been listening to podcasts, yeah. and what maybe some of our new favorites are. Yeah. I love podcasts, as we've talked about on a different episode. I listen to an average of 40 hours a week, um, yeah, which Jenna's some people found to be absurd. I love consuming content. Yes. Um, how often do you listen to podcasts, Sophie? I listen to podcasts mostly during my work day. 
Um, sometimes I, depending on the day and what I'm doing, I can't really listen. Um, and then sometimes I listen while I work out. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, but I will say like, I don't think I have enough like in my queue. I need, I know people send me recommendations all the time. I just have a hard time, um, adding a podcast into my routine. You have to find one you love to add it in. I know. So I actually am finding myself not like running out of podcasts by the end of the week or like mm. really waiting for the episode to come out yeah um so yeah i that i'm just bringing up my podcast list right now because i am on like a weekly queue like i've got my podcast yeah. down pat so the first podcast i ever listened to ever that got me into podcast was serial mm-hmm. um by sarah koenig <laughs> And that was in college, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, this is a great way to learn things, to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Like, you can podcast there are so many different things to so many different people. But that's when I really started getting into it. Mm-hmm. So Serial is still one that I listen to, but that comes out more as, like... In epi- seasons. Yeah, in seasons. So it's not one that's, like, weekly released mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but my weekly cue... Well, I guess let's start. Let's talk about my favorite murder first. Yeah. Who did you recommend me my favorite murder? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I can't even remember how I discovered it. Hmm. Somebody recommended it to me, and they're like, "You would like this." I'm yeah. Ninety nine percent sure it was you. Okay, but because I- did you recommend True Crime Garage to me? Yeah. Okay, and then you recommended my favorite murder. To yeah. Me. So I. I think Serial was one of the first ones I listened to because I think you told me to listen to Serial. Okay. And then I didn't listen to you and then I listened and I was like, oh my gosh, I just listened to this good podcast called Serial. And you were like, I told you to do that years ago. And I was like, okay. But then I got into True Crime Garage. Yes. And I was like behind because they had been recording already for a while and it was great. Like I was just whipping through those. Yeah, you just binge. I love when you find a podcast Yeah. Just has so many episodes out and you can just dive through And them. I remember it because I was doing an internship spring of my senior year of college and I would listen to that while I was doing like my desk job internship mm. and it was amazing. And these guys, it's two guys telling stories in the garage, but they're very thorough. Yeah, like, really good. We do like maybe a 20 minute recap on yeah. something. They will do parts. A four part series. Yeah. An hour plus episode long each episode. Like they research. Heavily. I would say a lot of theirs are two parts now. It yeah. used to be one part, but they every now and then like big cases they'll do three, four parts. Um, yeah, and then I think I maybe got onto my favorite murder soon after that. Yeah, or like maybe in a year later. Whatever. Because my favorite true crime garage is like fairly factual and and, and pretty dark. Mm-hmm. I mean. They do, like, hard research. Yeah. It's, like, they say it in a way where it's easier to consume. Like, yeah. they're very respectful. Yeah. And they put victims first. But it's it's not, like, a humorous podcast. Yeah. Uh, My Favorite Murder is a true crime comedy podcast. Yeah. And they're also very respectful. Yeah. But they're very funny people. It's two women in L.A. Yeah. Um. So they tell, like, life stories. So they're not 
funny when talking about the crimes ever. No. They're funny when talking about their life or like relating it to their own personal experience yeah. or something like just like a story. I would say our podcast setup mimics theirs where we have chit chat. Yes. And then we each tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, the content is different, but just like the outline of our podcasts are similar. Yeah. So yeah, that's where the funny comes in is their chit chat kind of. Yes, for sure. And they're both like comedians too, so it's like Yeah, funny. well um Karen like used to write for the Ellen show. Yeah. Um and Georgia I don't know if she'd be labeled like a comedian, but she's really funny. She had like a didn't she have like a satire cooking show? Yeah. On like the Food Network. Yeah, or something? she did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They so both that's... have very interesting history like like Oh my gosh, their lives are fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, that's always on my weekly roundup. Same. Always prioritize that podcast. Um, and then also along with that, like on the weekly basis, love. I Okay, so <laughs> I will listen to podcasts in like different categories, like ones where I focus on the stories, mm-hmm. which would be like I'm taking Kona for a walk mm-hmm. and I'm listening to the podcast and mm-hmm. actually like consuming the information or I go on a run mm-hmm. or I'm like doing cleaning around the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's when I can like actually listen. If I'm working, mm-hmm. I have other podcasts on. Mm-hmm. So then I don't really need to listen to every word. Yeah. So Chicks in the Office is my podcast for when I'm working because I love those girls, but it's not like I need to listen to every single bit of information I that comes out because it's a pop culture podcast. love Chicks in the yeah. Office. Like I am just like can't wait for their next episode. And it episode. comes out four times a week. So it's like it's so great. much content. It's amazing. And they do Bachelor recaps, which I love. Yep. I, I know you don't watch, but you always listen to the I, recaps. I don't watch The Bachelor anymore, but I listen to every recap. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I know all, like people are like, you watch The Bachelor, I'm like... No, but I know every person. Already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jenna knows like the gist of every episode. Yeah. Um, I love their podcast. They're great. I get sad when they're like, no Friday episode I know. this week. Like, I actually get sad. Um, and have you been listening? You're not a big Harry Potter gal, but have you been listening to their po- chicks in yes chicks at Hogwarts? Just I need to let everyone know. My deepest darkest secret is that I never read the Harry Potter books, and that's okay. I've read four of them. All the first four? Yeah. What stopped you? That's when it absolutely starts heating up. The issue is that I saw the movies before I read the books. Oh, all of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, that but is a bummer. I do like Harry Potter. I'm not like a Potterhead or anything. No, yeah. But I can appreciate Harry Potter. Yeah. So I do listen. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's just a great... Um, and Rhea's takes are hilarious. Oh, my gosh, they're so good. Yeah. So, yeah, they do, like pop culture and now they're like recapping harry potter on a different yeah version of their yeah. podcast really good and that's like they come out with so much content that i can just like have and their episodes are long I know, so i have amazing. it on a lot of my work day yeah um and then an uh, a podcast that i just recently discovered that i recommended to sophie mm-hmm. is national park after dark mm-hmm. um it's two women that are originally from the east coast and they tell stories i really like storytelling podcasts mm-hmm. is what you're gonna get the gist of yeah in recap here they tell stories um about national park related things and, yep. and they're dark pretty dark stories so yeah. like maybe a death, death that maybe. happened in a national park or like a tragedy mm-hmm. or maybe a natural disaster Murders stuff even. like that yeah um and but they are like they too are so factual and like mm-hmm. research driven so they're you really know like they the will be like story i read a book 
yes. in preparation of this story. And I'm just like, I'm like, no I read a Wikipedia way. article. <laughs> yeah. I skimmed a Wikipedia article. Um, but I listen to that not like super, super regularly. Mostly when I run out of my regular podcast, yeah. then I'll listen to that one. I listen to it every week. It's not too long. Well, I guess that's up for the listener because I like really long podcasts. They're yeah, like, like over an hour. An hour. Yeah, yeah, they're like an hour or so long. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good one. But on the top of my rotation right now is Two Hot Takes, which I've mentioned on a previous episode. Yeah. So good. They tell Reddit stories yeah. and react, give their hot takes and Essentially, advice. like, are you the asshole? Yeah. It's like kind of their main and that one i look it comes out every thursday i literally cannot wait for it to come out i'm like i am saving this for my walk yeah (laughs) like i just love it i also throw that in when i'm low on podcasts i like it i don't know why i'm not getting into it more maybe i just need to keep listening i don't know i was hooked right away and then i was so sad when i finished yeah so i essentially um I start my morning every morning listening to Up First. Okay, yeah. That's like my due diligence. I tell myself I can't listen to anything else until I listen to I my listen news. to Up First as well. It's an NPR news podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 minutes long. I yeah. listen to it every morning. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I I really only have like consistently always in my rotation is True Crime Garage, My Favorite Murder, and Chicks in the Office. And that's just not enough. I have lots of, like, depending on what you're looking for, I have so, because I, these are, like, my weekly rotations, but then I also have ones that are just, like, on cue if I ran out yeah. of my weekly rotation, yeah. so let me know if you want some suggestions. Yeah. Um, but on top of NPR, I also listen to, right after NPR, I listen to The Daily, yeah. which is the New York Times news podcast. Yeah. By Michael Barbaro, who is the best voice I've ever he heard. Does. Best amazing. radio voice ever. And then I w- listen to Post Reports, which is the Washington Post news oh, podcast. Oh, um, good for you for listening to that many yes. news. So NPR is like kind of a summary of like what's been going on. Um, and then the Daily, what I like about the Daily and Post Reports is that it's, it deep dives into one story for okay. like 20 minutes. Yeah. And then it'll just do like a recap. Like, here's what else you need yep. to know. So, yeah, those are good ones to listen to. And then a few others that are in my rotation, How to Save a Planet, that um, uh, global warming, yep. climate change one that I spoke about earlier. Yep. Um, I have a few others. I really like NPR's podcast. So Planet Money is like an e- economy. Ec- I should listen to that. Economics economic. podcast. <laughs> but it's so interesting. Like they tell really interesting stories. Okay. To relate to economics, so it's not boring at all. Okay. And that's kind of the gist of it right now. Yeah. But those are my recommendations, if anybody was wondering. Yeah. I also listen to um, the Office Ladies podcast. Oh, yeah. Every now and then, like, I'll binge episodes of that, and that's where they recap um, Office ep- the Office episodes, mm-hmm. which I'm a big fan of. It's Pam and Aunt Angela, the characters from The Office, who are reca- yes. recapping it. And then, um, I'm not plugging this one, but every now and then I do still listen to Call Her Daddy based on interviews. Like, when Emma, Emma Chamberlain was oh, on it, yeah. I listened to it. Um, I was going to listen to the Jamie Lynn Spears ones, I just never got around to it. But I don't listen to that one regularly anymore. Yeah, I, I don't listen to that one either, but I like she had Emma Chamberlain on it, mm-hmm. so I went on TikTok and watched... 
like recaps because mm. I'm like I don't want to spend my time listening to this. Yeah, but I want to know what Emma Chamberlain said. I know Emma Chamberlain's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Emma Chamberlain has her own podcast. I know. I should listen to her. I just like her. She's so cool. Her podcast is more of like a self help oh, podcast. Okay. Not. Not so much that. It's more of like an internal stream of her thoughts. Yeah. Which sometimes leads to her giving advice. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the gist. If you guys have any other recommendations, feel free to shout it out to Yeah. Yeah. And share our podcast if anybody wants a recommendation. Yeah. As I well. mean, I listen to ours. So do, I was going to ask, do you listen to your, yeah. ours? Yeah, I do. And. Are you, like, okay listening to it? Like, some people can't listen to their own voice. I'm okay with it. I'm yeah, not me too. I'm unbothered by it. So I listen to it when we're telling the stories, obviously. Yeah. I listen to it when I edit it, and then I listen to it the day it comes yeah. out. <laughs> Gotta get those listener reviews. Exactly. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so something else we wanted to talk about today is some hikes that we've been on and we really liked because last episode I covered my happy story was about a man who did a hike at 90 years old um, and then my horrible story today unfortunately is about another yeah. um, hiking story and Sophie and I are like we really like the outdoors to, we're to a certain extent we're not like hiking and camping, camping every weekend no. but we like doing it a few times a year yeah yeah or a handful of times a year yeah I'd say. Yeah. So when did you start getting into your love for the outdoors, Sophie? Um, actually, so I was not a camping family. Mm -hmm. You you are a camping family. Um I actually think families are either camping or cabin families in Minnesota. You guys are both, which is fun for you, but we (laughs) my family doesn't camp. But and maybe we can talk about this another week, but Jen and I both did this month-long canoe trip in high school mm-hmm. through a program that wasn't through our high school, but a lot of people from our high school did it. And I think that's when I first discovered, really felt the love for the outdoors. Yeah. It was you, a canoeing trip. You basically go on a 28-day canoe trip through the Canadian wilderness yeah. with a guide and a guide that's college age. Yeah. <laughs> and... Eight, seven to eight other uh, young women high school high women. school age women yeah. yeah so that was the start of it and that was great and then jenna and i actually both guided mm-hmm. then later when we were in college yeah we went on to guide those trips yeah um so i think that was kind of that is my awakening intense way to get into the outdoors i had never slept in a tent and i did that i know because <laughs> it's like it is an intense trip. Yeah. Like it's grueling. You kind of hate it. Definitely hate it. And then I literally you was like, can it. I break my leg and go home? <laughs> you do grow to love it. Yeah. Um, but that's so intense yes. to start off your love for the outdoors. Where me, I, yeah, we are a camping family. Yeah. Well, we didn't start off with a cabin. So maybe that's why we started off. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've had a cabin, like, because my grandparents had a yeah. cabin. So we started, we got our cabin when we were like, or when I was, like, uh, seven, maybe. Oh, okay. So my whole life, I've just gone on camping trips in the summer. Like, yeah. Like, there's pictures of me just as, like, a little tot, like, in yeah. a task. You guys did family park. camping like, trips, too. Which is yeah, we would, we'd go to all with the other state families. parks. Yeah, yeah, like, group camp trips. Yeah, so that's, it's just been, like, ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it, and I feel like... Some people, some people would be born into that family and be like, "Oh my gosh, f my life, this yeah. sucks." Yeah. But we all love it, so it's like really fun. And I've 
taken that love into my adult life as well. Mm-hmm. So it's uh it's not as frequent of trips, but it's um something that I try to incorporate every mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. <laughs> um summer obviously is where it picks up more for yeah. both of us. We kind of have a group of people that we, the past couple of years, have gone on a group camp trip with, which is yeah, super fun. So fun. Yeah. We need to plan that again this summer. It is planned. Oh. Jenna. <laughs> Am I in the group chat? Yeah. <laughs> it all happened around New Year's, and I think maybe things were missed because I was at a wedding. But, okay. But Mikey's fiance. <laughs> Emily. Yeah, stayed up late to book our campsites, I think, when they opened up. Queen. New Year's Day. Wow, Jenna really missed out on I this stuff. I had no idea. I need to look into the dates of this. I'm sure I'm available. That's but hilarious. I, I did not know it was planned. You need to plan that. It is planned. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we do like a group camp every summer. Also, we I just like in Minnesota, like the North Shore mm-hmm. of Duluth area and up beyond that mm-hmm. of Lake Superior is just incredible. That's where the best hiking is. If you're hiking elsewhere in Minnesota, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's but it's more of like just to walk through the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we well, don't have mountains here. Yes, well, technically, um, Eagle Mountain. Those are considered mountains, but they're so tiny. Okay, they're not mountains. They're, they're hills. They're hills, but it's called Lutzen Mountain and Eagle Mountain. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, the North Shore has some really good hiking worth actually a hike yeah and not yeah a walk through the woods yeah so that's where i go for most of my hikes in yeah. the minnesota area but i really want to make a point to like start doing we've talked about this too just like more outdoor things not just in the summer yeah like there's so much outdoor stuff to do in minnesota and you just have to have the right equipment for it I yeah, think. yeah i think that's i haven't pulled the trigger on that yeah um yeah but even branching out further we've both been to Arizona multiple times. Yeah. We've done hikes there. I hiked the Grand Canyon a few years ago. I mentioned on the last podcast. Amazing. I recommend people doing it, but I will never do it again. That's a strong opinion and I respect <laughs> you for that. And I know that's how you feel about your marathon as well. <laughs> so I didn't train... Like, you train for a marathon. Why would I not train for hiking the Grand Canyon? I'm not sure. I wouldn't think to train either. Um, now I would because of your stories. Yeah. yeah. And, like, take it seriously. After I hiked it, I did it with my brother and sister-in-law. I bought this book at the bookstore um, called Deaths in the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And holy crap, I was like, I did not take this as seriously as I should have, probably. So, um I think Jenna said she's going to talk about some camping yeah, tips. Yeah, I, I am going to talk about, so, like, some outdoor tips if yeah. you're taking, like, hiking trips and stuff. Yeah. Which um, is super important. Yeah, so that book was – you told me stories from it. Yeah, crazy. I'm sure I'll do stories from there yeah. for horrible stories. But we've both been to, like, the Phoenix area. Your brother lives in Tucson. You've yeah. done hikes down there. Seven Falls is an amazing hike. Yeah, I did in, that. In Tucson area. I did Romero Fall or Romero Pools just recently. Um Typically, my hikes consist of more, like, day hikes. Oh, yeah. Like, not like overnight. Five to six-ish hours mm-hmm. long. Um, and I haven't done any overnight hikes. Would love to. I actually thrifted a backpack Ooh. last year. It's, like, a... It's meant to be, like, an overnight yep. camping backpack. Mm-hmm. Like, hiking... What would you call that? I don't know. Uh, a pack. I just a pack. Yeah, a pack. I don't know. <laughs> pack. Yeah. So I want to do that. Yeah. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah. But I don't know where. You'll have to find where. Yes. 
Um, one of my favorite hikes I've ever done, and I know this is going to make you sad because you've had this trip canceled so many times. Twice. Ugh. Okay, Glacier is yeah. the prettiest place I've ever been, and I hiked Grinnell Glacier. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. It's like a hike around like three turquoise lakes mm-hmm. that you like hike around, and mm-hmm. then you start your summit up to... Grinnell Glacier, which is uh, one of the last remaining glaciers in Glacier National Park. Yeah. And you get to the top, and it's just this icy blue water with, like, the oh glacier gosh. actually there. And you can swim in <sighs> the pool there. And then it overlooks the, all of the turquoise lakes that you just hiked around. Oh, my gosh. The best hike I've ever done. Yeah. Dang it. I need to get there. Yeah. We've had COVID cancellations. Yes. Um, a uh, unique hike I've been on is I studied abroad in South Africa. Yes. And I hiked Table Mountain, if anyone is ever familiar with it. It's it's just also a day hike. But uh, my parents visited me while I was abroad, and my dad and I hiked that together, which was super fun. But it was literally... Oh, I didn't know you guys did it together. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, my mom took the gondola up. <laughs> That's fine. Did she meet... Did she, like, go ahead and, like, just wait for you? Or did um, she, like, time it She... Out? No, because we didn't see her at the top. I can't remember if she did it that day or she did it a different day or something. Mm. Um, Like a different morning. Because we didn't meet her at the top. But it was seriously like doing the stair stepper for... I mean, it was similar to the Grand Canyon, but less, not as long. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, and that was really freaking cool. And then you can just see like the whole city of Cape Town at the bottom and the ocean, which is amazing so yeah that was a really cool hike if you're ever in south africa (laughs) do you think that was your coolest hike or i i don't know that in the grand canyon probably the grand canyon is like breathtaking well so is table mountain but like to be in the canyon like so many people never do that no never i've been to the grand canyon twice and just like around the overlooked it yeah yeah. Oh my gosh, that reminds me. What the last time I was there, it was a snowstorm. Oh. We were there in like May, I believe. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah, and it's literally like one of the worst snowstorms I've ever been in, and oh I gosh. live in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. Yeah, but it started off like a clear day, and we went to the Grand Canyon. We actually like went to um, gosh, what's that place called? Flagstaff. No. Oh. The Horseshoe. Horseshoe Bend. Yeah. We crazy. drove up to Horseshoe Bend. Yeah. And then drove back down to grand canyon and just we're gonna have like a time like looking out yeah just chilling so we get there and it's like kind of cloudy but it started off as a clear day and then all of a sudden across the canyon we see storm clouds oh my god and you can actually see it them move across the whole canyon and then the white starts appearing and it's just like totally overcome with whiteness so i took a time lapse video (gasps) of that oh i want to see it we had like a little sprinkle of rain but i remember being like oh my god (sighs) It better not rain. Well, imagine like there's like to... yeah, and there's like flash flooding. Yeah, yeah. But what I... do people do if it, there's flash flooding and they're staying at the bottom chalet or whatever? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But like, okay, the Grand Canyon is so cool. Like, it's a Im- imagine how you, the Grand Canyon like reds and oranges and sand and dirt, whatever. And then you get to the Colorado River, and then you are making your hike back up and like a little of the ways up it is literally all of a sudden you're just in this like like greenery oh it's just like random like area of life Weird. it's like no longer desert and it's like i don't know it's like a different world it was yeah. like so weird 
like walking from rocks and then all of a sudden you're just like in this vast green I didn't even know that about the green canyon yeah I forgot what it what it was called um and then there's like a little rest stop area an old camping site that Mm. you can rent campsites at and we stopped and had a snack and we were like I was like I can't I might need to be flown out of here (laughs) uh anyway our friend Erin hiked the Grand Canyon how old was she five she was five years old her parents like fed her starburst along the way to keep her going like this is not safe another thing like take it seriously yeah her parents know are like really good hikers and I would trust that they would have been prepared yeah but I wouldn't take a five-year-old at the risk of me having to carry the five-year-old yes agreed and that's hard hike yeah so to end this conversation places that I'd recommend hiking in Minnesota North Shore, mm-hmm. what we talked about already, but the best hikes in the North Shore that I've done are Bean and Bear Lake mm-hmm. and Eagle Mountain, mm-hmm. which Eagle Mountain is the highest point in Minnesota mm-hmm. if, you, if you reach the summit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and just lastly, we have a friend, Aaron, who lives out near the Black Hills. Oh, yeah. And we've done some hikes out there. And so cool. If you're from the Midwest, not a far drive, go check yeah, it out. No, like the black hills are amazing i didn't know south dakota was that cool yeah (laughs) it's definitely one of the cooler of the dakotas it's really cool really fun like you kind of have like a um western feel oh yeah cowboys and whatever but it's like really cool hikes yeah yeah and like actually really pretty yeah or Black Hills, but mountains. Yeah, but they're mountains. Yeah. Yeah, so I would recommend going there. But that's, yeah, some of our favorite hikes. Yes, and we'll have more because we, we like hiking. Yeah, and yeah, we're, I think we're going to want to visit Erin and we have camping trip and yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to get into my horrible story now, which is really sad. Um, it's It's not good. I it's been in the news a lot recently um and I'm going to end it with some tips to try to like how can we prevent this type of thing yeah um so this is the story about the tragic missteps that killed a young California family on a hike this past summer yeah I just saw a headline for this but I have read nothing about it okay I've been kind of keeping tabs on it because I it started off very strange and I was like kind of like what the F is going on yeah so my sources are the Guardian my sources are the Guardian (laughs) CNN and ABC7 um so I'm just gonna go into the the beginning here like before the result was determined like the mystery behind it okay so a young family died mysteriously on a trail in california's sierra nevada mountains in august of 2021 a wife a husband their dog and a one-year-old baby i know uh so authorities scoured the area for clues they thought at first maybe there was a gas leak from a nearby mine because they were all dead even the dog, with no signs of, like, trauma. trauma. So it seemed like something else was going on. So maybe there was a gas leak from a nearby mine. Maybe the family drank water that contained toxic algae. Was it a random lightning strike? Yeah. Although there was no sign of, like, physical damage. Some theories even went as far to say as it was aliens. So on Reddit, when this story came out, this is where, like, Reddit's good and bad. (laughs) This is the story of Reddit being bad. I already was convinced it was aliens, which is like. Gotta get insurance. (laughs) Alien insurance. 
Um, yeah. Which turned out not to be the case, but, like, there's so many theories circulating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very strange because all four were yeah. found dead on the trail. Yeah. So all of these theories have been debunked now as investigators have now discovered the, that the actual cause of death was just as tragic where the triple digit temperatures and rough terrain created a fatal situation. Aww. So the family, Ellen Chung, who was 31, the wife, Jonathan Garish, 45, husband, along with their one-year-old daughter, Miju, and dog, Oski, set out to hike the Heights Cove Loop Trailhead in a remote area of the Sierra Nevada National Forest on August 15th. Their truck was found near the trailhead two days later, and crews soon found their bodies, uh, first found the bodies of Garish and Miju, the dad and the baby, with Chung's body a little higher on the hillside, the wife. The local sheriff's office announced in October that the family died of hyperthermia and probably dehydration. The county sheriff said this is an unfortunate and tragic event due to the weather. So, um, I had something to say about what I just said. I completely lost my thought. Okay, so that's interesting. I don't know if this is what you're going to say. Hyperthermia. Hyperthermia, not hypothermia. There we go. Yeah, I'll get into that right now. I've read about that. and that yeah, yeah. That's something to touch on. Yes. I read about it in the Grand Canyon book. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay, so... I lost my train of thought, so I'll just go into it. Okay, well, if you think of it, we'll just bounce back. Um, Hyperthermia is when your body produces more heat than it can release, and bodily functions begin shutting down. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly the opposite of hypothermia, as you know. The Garish family and their dog were found dead in one area along the trail, while Chung was found dead further down the trail. Oh, that's what I was going to say. They were found 1.5 miles from the trailhead, which feels so close, doesn't it? It's very close. Yeah. A professional wilderness survival and first aid instructor um, went on to say that they believed the baby may have exhibited illness first from hyperthermia and that one parent stayed to help the child while the other went for help. Another witness told investigators they saw the family's truck going toward the trail on August 15th around 8 a.m. The temperature at that time was 75 degrees, and the elevation was about 3,800 feet. Was this supposed to just be a day hike? It is a day hike, yes. The family walked about 2.2 miles down the trail to an elevation of about 1,900 feet where temperatures jumped from 92 to 99 degrees. Yep. Yeah. The trail was steep and temperatures were warmer than hikers would likely expect unless they were familiar with it, Okay. with the area. Yeah. An experienced hiker who spoke with detectives said they would stay out of the canyon from June to September due to strenuous hike and heavy exposure to the sun and heat. Yeah. So they're, you know, they started at an elevation of about 3,800 feet and went down to 1,900 feet. So they're going down into the canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, which can really heat up, mm-hmm. as you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, ooh, August. That's hot, hot, hot in yeah. Minnesota. Like, well, compared to other people. Yeah. Like, that's not that hot. But that, I just, when this I think of. California. Yeah. When I think of August, I think of heat. And if that's in California. Yeah. Probably hotter. Yeah. Exactly. So the trail was steep and temperatures were warmer. An experienced hiker who spoke with detectives. Oh, I literally just said that. <laughs> Authorities say the family had been carrying an 85-ounce water container, and it was empty. Oof. 
Authorities were able to pull a text message from Girish's phone at 11.56 a.m. asking for help, but it was never received Mm. due to lack of cell service in the area. The text read, Can you help us? On Savage, Lundy Trail headed back to Heights Cove Trail. No water overheating with baby. Mm. So devastating. Yeah. About 13 minutes following the unsuccessful text, Garish's phone showed that he tried calling multiple numbers, not including 911. But again, due to lack of service, the calls never connected. The first call was made at 12.09 p.m., following four subsequent calls at 12.35 p.m., within one minute of each other. So in addition to the text and phone calls, authorities chronicled almost 16 photos of Garish's camera roll. The first photo was taken a few yards from the trailhead at about 7.44 a.m., and the morning uh, it was the morning of the family's hike. The other 16 photos included family selfies, oh my gosh, family selfies, photos of the river and creek, and Finally, the last photo concluded of a screenshot of their location from the trail app at 12.25 p.m. So you can see that the hike started off fine. Like, mm-hmm. they're taking pictures yeah. whatever. And then it quickly, yeah. already at 12.25, screenshot of the location. And yeah. that's when the calls for help were going out. Yeah. The record shows that Gar- or Garish had used the All Trails app to map out the hike that he had hiked a portion of the same loop in May of 2017. But temperatures at that time had been much lower. And then there was a 2018 Ferguson fire that hadn't yet burned out a tree canopy in the area. Mm. So he hiked it in May of 2017, a completely different time of the year. And the tree canopy was gone. So it can be much, much hotter without that coverage. Yeah. Yeah. So grueling midday temperatures and lack of shade had moved locals in recent years to avoid hiking this during the summer. But the family was new to the area. They had just moved to Mariposa in the Syria foothills during the pandemic and bought numerous properties in the area. Chung was a yoga instructor and graduate student, and Garish was a Snapchat engineer. According to the report, a U.S. Forest Service volunteer who had hiked the nearly eight-mile loop more than a dozen times told a deputy and the fam- uh, told a deputy that the family appeared completely unaware of the dangers of the trail. They had carried only a sippy cup and a backpack with a 2.5 liter reservoir for water. So Wesley Trimble is a communications and creative director at the American Hiking Society. And he says that the tragic incident serves as a reminder to be prepared when going out hiking by planning before leaving the house. Mm -hmm. So now we'll get into kind of like how you can prepare and how this can be prevented because it's so tragic Mm -hmm. and I mean, that's, like, worst-case scenario Mm -hmm. for this family. Um, But it is important to, like, be aware of how to prepare for this stuff so it doesn't happen because it it, does not need to end like this ever. Right. (laughs) He advises telling people where you're going before you go out and when you expect to be back. People often don't think about it, but it's a critical step. Telling a neighbor or a family member that you're going to a specific location and that you'll be in touch when you are back in the area with a cell signal. If you don't return when you expect, give specific instructions like the local sheriff office um, for the county where you're hiking if they don't hear from you mm-hmm. for a specific time. I mean, for sure location. Mm-hmm. 
Another way to plan before hitting the trail is to look at maps and come up with a game plan, including when to turn around based on timing, even if it means not reaching a desired destination. Okay. So like in the winter, that might be if it gets dark, Mm -hmm. you're going to turn around. Or in the summer, it might be when when the weather you know maybe when it this, when it reaches 85 degrees yeah, when it reaches, turn when it's and like look at the forecast before yeah. you go like when it reaches this time it'll be this heat yep. and i need to turn around yep. at that time so the day of the family's hike the temperatures were in the upper 70s in the morning but quickly rose to 109 in the afternoon when they were on the trail this shows how important it is to consult with detailed weather predictions um, and to check not just with the weather on an app on your smartphone, mm-hmm. but use better technology because this family could have checked on their phone and it likely could have been upper 70s to 80s in that area. Mm-hmm. But then actually in, in the, the canyon, canyon, it was much hotter. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's where this went wrong. Yep. I really think that would have been a life-changing step. Yeah. Because the weather app on your phone, and I always check just the weather app yeah. on my phone when I go hiking. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And I never think about checking specific locations of where yeah. I'm going hiking, just the area that I'm in. Because if it says, like, oh, it's going to get to upper 70s, low 90s, that's still really hot. Mm-hmm. But that's bearable. Yeah, but like, like you said, canyons maybe increase at 10, 20 degrees. Yeah. So... Yeah, so if it says low 90s, um, actually the canyon is 110 degrees. Yeah, so and that's not doable. Yeah, exactly. So there's actually a website website where you can pin uh, pinpoint your forecasting on a map, which will get you a, a much better idea of what the forecast is, because mm-hmm. geography plays such a crucial role mm-hmm. in weather, which we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And this can be found at www.weather.gov. Oh, and you okay. can just like pinpoint where yeah, you want good to know yeah which i actually would yep. never have thought of yep. until researching this story nope i didn't know that existed <laughs> yeah yeah because i always just check the weather off of my phone yeah that was like jaw-dropping to me um trimble also suggests checking in with locals about the trail a gear shop or even a tourist office that will have insight in the local local conditions that might not be listed on a trail mapping app because i use all trails i use what Mm -hmm. this husband used i've heard of that yeah um and it's basically just like where you can go to find hikes in the area you're in or wherever Mm -hmm. area you want to look and people review it people leave comments or whatever but it's not like it's basically like you know where people can it's like, like a Yelp review. Yeah, it's like for a Yelp review for hiking. hiking. Yeah. So it's not professionals yeah. giving their expert opinion yeah. on the hike. It's yeah, a Yelp review yep. for hiking. Yeah. So the American Hiking Society also has a list of ten essential items um, that everybody should have when heading out for a trek. So for hikes during hot weather, it's essential to haul enough water. It's hard to give people a very specific number for water. Um, but experts say it's about 16 ounces or half a liter per hour per person okay. for moderate temperatures and t- terrain. Mm-hmm. So if you're hiking in triple degree temperatures, which this family was, you'll need at least a liter of water for every hour you plan to be out. Mm-hmm. In addition to warmer weather hiking, it's important to be familiar with the symptoms of heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to pick up um, if someone in your group is experiencing nausea and headaches and other symptoms like that because if you are in hot temperatures it's a good sign that you are probably starting to get dehydrated so if you're having that that was a weird way to word that it's a sign that you're starting to get dehydrated if you start getting nauseous or yeah. have headaches 
Um, also make sure everyone is drinking water constantly because even by the time you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Yes. So you need to start just yep. drinking water right away. Yep. Um, and then I'm going to get into the 10 essentials of hiking. So some of this is like common sense and some of it is not. So number one would be appropriate footwear. And this is by AmericanHiking.org. And this is so true. Like when I went to Glacier, I had tennis shoes. Yeah. I think Nike freeze, which was just like <laughs> shit. And I have hiking boots now and yeah, it's life changing. Same. So nice. Okay. Number two is maps and compass slash GPS. So while phones and GPS units are handy, they aren't always reliable in the packed country. Consider carrying a paper map and a compass as a backup so you know how to use them, which I actually, I always just use my phone. Same. But I like take screenshots of the trail before I go out. Yeah. And I have the trail pulled up on my phone because if I'm going like on, on my map, because yeah. if I'm going in an area um, that loses cell service, GPS doesn't use cell service. Yeah. GPS uses satellites yes so you can still see your location on a map yep um so i have the trail pulled up on my all trails map because it pulls up a map with the trail routes yeah see where you are on the route okay which is actually super helpful yes but if your phone dies that's not helpful at all yep so i guess i always do day hikes but for sure if i was doing like overnight hikes yep and um jenna and i know how to use a compass and a map super easy yeah if you're into hiking it's probably could take one youtube video to yes learn how to orient yourself yep okay number three is water and a way to purify it so we talked about the what you need for that um water for sure for a day hike and then a way to purify it for sure for an overnight hike food pack calorie dense food to help fuel your hike and carry an extra portion in case you are out longer than expected i always pack an apple to eat at the summit (laughs) Two granola bars and a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Just like I almost never eat the granola bars, but just in case I yep. like having granola bars in there. Trail and then mix. a peanut butter sandwich. Trail mix is a really good, very yeah. calorie dense and it's salty. They do say to have some yes. salty options. Yeah. Yeah. Dried fruit. Even if I'm going out for an hour hike, I will bring food just in well, case. Yeah. Just because yum. <laughs> like a granola Love a snack. Bar. Yeah. Okay. Number five, rain gear and fast, dry fast layers. So I always try to wear like dry fast layers. Mm-hmm. Don't always bring rain gear, which it would be smart to bring just like rain jacket. Mm-hmm. I don't always do that. I think it's case by case. I mean, these are essential, so I guess maybe. But, <laughs> I know. Um, totally depends on the hike. Use your discretion. Mm-hmm. And it depends like, again, check the forecast and all. Yeah. Like if you're okay getting caught in a little bit of rain for 20 minutes, that's okay. But right. yeah, if you're going into a canyon, it's like. Um, probably need a rain jacket. Yeah. Okay. Number six is safety items. So a lighter, um, and a whistle and a light, like a headlamp. Um, definitely don't have a whistle. I think I need to add that to my hiking pack and I don't bring a lighter either, which I think I should add as well. Also a good idea. Yeah. Usually I have a headlamp. I typically don't bring the headlamp on the hike though, but it's a good thing to do like just in case. Mm, I know. What if something happens? Yep. So smart to plan ahead. Yeah. Number seven is a first aid kit, which like, oh my gosh. Never have I ever. I never brought a first aid kit on a hike. Yeah. On our canoe trips, we yes. brought first aid kits, but like on our hikes, we don't. But I actually like experienced this firsthand this past summer. Yeah, that's right. I never, because it's like, oh, we're just doing little hikes. Like we're yeah. just doing little day hikes. It doesn't matter. 
I was hiking with both my sisters yeah. on the North Shore, and my sister Erin fell and gashed open her knee. And like, it was like needed stitches. Kind it was of a thing. slice. Yeah. Like, it was bad. And we didn't have a first aid kit with yeah. us, nor did I have one in my car when we got back off the trail. Yeah. I luckily had an extra pair of socks okay. that we wrapped around her knee to stop the bleeding. Yeah. Not sanitary at all. No. But, but I mean, you have to do yeah, what you have to do. We had to do that. I went out and bought a first aid kit for my car. Yeah. Because well, I didn't want it in my car. And I also, I haven't been hiking since, but I'm going to. Yeah. On every hike I go on now, well, I guess I have been hiking since. And oh, I just, yeah. This just reminded me of that. I need to get just like a little mini yeah. yep. first aid kit. Just yeah. put it in my pack. Yep. Okay, number eight would be a knife or multi-tool, which can be used to repair gear and first aid. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't know if I'd bring that on a day hike, mm-hmm. but for overnight hikes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Sun protection, always. always. Sunscreen, sunglasses, sun protective clothing. All of it. Hats. Yep. Yep. Even if it's regardless of cloud color, regardless yep. of temperature. And then number 10 would be shelter. So protection from the elements is necessary in the event that you are injured or stranded. Um, so you should get a lightweight, inexpensive space blanket. Mm. And I have never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Because it's like if I'm if I need a shelter, like I'm planning to go overnight mm-hmm. somewhere. So it's just like a good mm-hmm. thing to know. Like these, this family wasn't planning to be overnight and. Right. Yes. Some exactly. shade coverage maybe would have yeah. helped. So all of that would have been life saving. And I, you know, it's, I feel so bad for them yeah. and I, it breaks my heart. It's really just like a devastating story. Yeah. But if you are going to partake in the outdoors, you do need to. You know, be prepared like we were talking about. Yeah. You need to do your research. Do your research. And I need to do a better job of it too. Yeah. For sure, gonna get a little first aid kit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also just like always tell people where you're going. Yeah. Even if you're not hiking. Like if I'm going on a walk during the nighttime, I will text Zach and mm-hmm. say, going on a walk to blank. Yeah. So he knows where I am. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, that's my story. <sighs> Terrible. I know. Um, Great tips, though. I like that you finished off with that. Yeah. Very helpful. Um, obviously, what happened to that family could happen to anyone. Yeah. Like, I don't blame them for what happened because, like, at first I was like, why would he go down? What, or he, or why would they go down into that canyon yeah. with their little baby? Like, it was so hot. He probably looked at his weather at and was like, 90 degrees? Okay, we experience that every day yeah, here. Yeah, used to it. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what the weather app said it was supposed to be later yeah. that day, but it didn't say one time. Or, like, what if they thought they were only going to be walking, hiking for two hours, but with the baby and things got delayed, then they're out there longer and the temps rose. Like, right. they weren't even planning to be out there the hottest time of the day, yeah. maybe. So, at first, I was like, wow, that's really yeah. kind of, you know, bad planning. But then I'm like, oh, if you just look at your weather app, you're like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. fine. Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm going to start implementing that into my outdoor yep. activities. Yeah, for sure. Great storytelling. Thank you. Um, thanks for the lowdown. I had seen a headline, but I wasn't well, super familiar. Literally, well, I thought we were going to do the same story. <laughs> I was worried we were both going to do this story yeah. vulnerable. Um, because, and we had our friend Sarah check to see if we weren't yeah, doing we the same. Yeah, we told her what we were doing. <laughs> Because two days ago, it was, it was found out the text messages oh, okay. and the calls. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was sense. really recent. Yeah. So I was worried you are going to see that and oh, do it. Yeah. 
Well, I didn't. Yeah, these double recordings um, <laughs> increase the likelihood yeah. of that happening. Okay. Okay, my story, which I would think you are familiar with, is the Tham Luang Cave Rescue. This is the rescue of the so- boys' soccer team. <gasps> Yeah. From the cave. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And my only source is Wikipedia. <laughs> you your only source is ever Wikipedia. I don't know, but sometimes it's so no, dense. It is, but, yeah. but I should get some other no, ones. No, no. Do your thing. Okay. So Tham Luang Nang Nan is a cave complex beneath Doi Nang Nan, a mountain range on the border between Thailand and Myanmar. So I apologize for pronunciations. Yeah, Myanmar, but that's... I don't know how you pronounce... Oh, is it Myanmar? Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce all the other stuff. Um, The cave is 6.2 miles long. Since part of the cave system is seasonally flooded, a sign advising against entering the caves during the rainy season of July through November is posted at the entrance. But on Saturday, June 23rd, 2018, a group of 12 boys aged 11 to 16 from a local junior football team... So like American soccer, soccer yeah. yeah. Uh, named the Wild Boars, and their 25-year-old assistant coach went missing after deciding to explore the cave. According to reports, they were planning to have a birthday party in the cave after football practice, but these claims were later denied after the rescue. Hmm. Yeah, that's not really important, but I just thought it was interesting, okay. a birthday party in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the team became trapped after a sudden rainstorm flooded the cave. So Wait, around, were they down there with any adults? The assistant coach who was 25. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what That's thought. it. Yeah. Okay. Around 7 p.m. that night, the head coach, um, I don't, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, checked his phone to see that he had dozens of missed calls from the parents of his athletes wondering where they were. So this is the head coach. He mm. was not with them. And the coach eventually got in contact with a member on the team who was picked up immediately after practice, and he had informed the coach that the rest were going to the caves to explore. The coach immediately went to the caves, and his worries were confirmed when he found abandoned bikes and bags near the cave entrance with water seeping out of the muddy pathway. Oh my god, can you imagine that feeling? No. Terrible. Absolute despair. Yeah. So he immediately alerted authorities. Um... British caver Vern Unsworth, who lived in the region, knows the caves very well and was actually planning a trip to the caves the next day, June Mm. 24th, when he was made aware of the missing team. Unsworth advised Thai authorities to request assistance from the British Cave Rescue Council, or the BCRC. On June 25th, Thai Navy SEALs, SEAL divers, arrived and began searching the cave, One of those divers said the water was so murky that even with lights, they could not see where they were going underwater. Wow. Yeah. The search was frequently interrupted due to more rainfall. On June 27th, three BCRC cave divers arrived um, with, I don't know how to say this, Hyphne LF radios, which just essentially help provide communication between divers and those in the outside cave. So I think it's just like. I don't know, stronger than a regular radio, yeah. maybe. Um, and on June 28th, a United States Air Force team from the 320, 320th Special Tactics Squadron and the 31st Rescue Squadron and the 353rd Special Operations Group also joined the search. So just like a lot of people yeah. coming in. 
And then on June 29th, Australian Federal Police Team of Specialist Response Group divers had arrived on Sunday and a Chinese team of divers also arrived. So like literally all over the all over right. the world, I mean. Um, while divers dove, policemen with sniffer dogs searched the surface above the shaft openings that would provide alternative entrances. Uh, but none were found. BCRC divers Richard Stanton and John Volenthen advised through um, the cave, advanced through the cave placing diving guidelines. Because, like, mm. as we said, like, water and it's dark. So right. I think they were, like, check doing checkpoints. The search was paused and resumed again on July 2nd, and the 12 boys in the coach were discovered at approximately 10 p.m. by Stanton and Volenthen. Which, if you watch the video, it's crazy. <laughs> He just, like, pops up from the water, and it's just, like, all the boys. Wait, I don't think I've seen that video. Oh. Like, I know this story, but I haven't seen the video. Yeah, so the boys in the coach were on a narrow rock shelf about um, 13... Oh, I have a typo here, and I don't know how far away it was. Meters, maybe? 1,300 meters from the Pattaya Beach Chamber. So they were pretty far into okay. the cave, essentially. Volenthen had been placing guidelines in the cave to assist others in navigation when he ran out of line. He then swam to the surface and soon found the group missing, smelling them before hearing or seeing them. Oh. So, like, he literally popped up and was, like, looking around. You should look up the video. Yeah. And they're just, like, sitting there. That is yeah. wild. Um, what an amazing feeling would that be? Yeah. To be the boys trapped there. Yeah. And then a diver pops up. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Okay, so the ledge that they were stranded on was 2.5 miles from the cave entrance. Okay. Um, news that the boys were found was shared, but the operation wasn't even close to being over. Which, that's oh, just I remember crazy. this in the news. Yeah. So the Thai, U.S., Australian, and Chinese diving teams supported by the BCRC divers began transporting diving bottles into three cave systems and established an air supply storage area along the way. So now they're, like, prepping to get these boys out. On July 3rd, the trapped group was joined by three Thai Navy SEALs who supported them through the rescue, one of which was a doctor. So they essentially left three Navy SEALs and a doctor on stranded with them, essentially. Mm, like with, Okay. So... And brought, um, like, food and supplies yep. and stuff. Yeah, and luckily none of the boys who are trapped were in serious condition, and they were being fed with easy-to-digest, high-energy food with vitamins and minerals. Um, it was reported that there were boys on the team who could not swim, which complicated the rescue even more. And oh gosh. Yeah. The route to them had several flooded sections, some with strong currents and zero visibility along with extremely narrow parts, the smallest smallest measuring only 15 inches by 28 inches. <sighs> the claustrophobia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So like a little over one foot by a little over two feet. Okay, I've, I feel sick listening to yeah. that. Yeah, I bet that's like this. Yeah. The desk we're on. Even smaller though, because this is more than a foot. Yeah. Oh my god. No. How, how did the divers fit through it? I think you like just get through it. They must have been tiny Contort your body. <laughs> yeah. Um, the journey through the cave to the boys took six hours against the current and five hours to exit with the current, even for experienced divers. Wow. I know. I can't, like, fathom this cave. 
Um, I'll post diagrams though so people can kind of get a visual. Outside the cave, a stone diversion dam was built upstream and systems were installed to pump water out of the cave and divert the flow. Mm. On July 4th, it was estimated that the pumps were removing 420,000 US gallons per hour. (laughs) So they were getting that water out of there. Yeah. Um... Efforts helped lower the water levels by over half an inch, allowing the rescue team... And all of that only half an inch. That's nuts. Allowing the rescue team to walk nearly a mile into the cave. However, heavy rains forecasted for July 8th were expected to halt or reverse this process. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm stressed. I know. And I know it. I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. This is the happy story, everyone. I know. Um, On July 6th, oxygen levels in the cave dropped and were measuring 15 percent the level needed to maintain normal function for humans is between 19.5 percent and 23.5 percent so low um so rescuers put together a few different options to rescue the team Mm -hmm. so this is kind of what they brainstormed initially wait until the end of the monsoon season with divers providing food and water regularly that's what i i that was in my head as an option as well Teach the group basic diving skills. Find an alternative entrance to the cave, which would allow for easier escape. Drill a rescue shaft, but no suitable location was found. Build an oxygen line and build a telephone wire to communicate. I can't (laughs) breathe right now. (laughs) But with the loss of time and time against them, they decided to get the team out using experienced divers. Mm -hmm. They're like, they can't live in there. Um, rescuers teach the team how to swim well we'll get into that so rescuers at first considered teaching the boys basic diving skills to enable them to make the journey organizers built a mock-up tight passage with chairs and divers practicing with local boys in school swimming pools but this time frame is so tight this is like two days so like they are moving fast and crazy when did this begin and what day is Uh, it now june 23rd june 23rd and now we're on july 6th that's so long it's like two weeks i know um okay where was i so then they refined the plans to use a team of divers to bring out the weakened boys and on the morning of july 8th the extraction started 18 rescue divers were sent into the caves to retrieve the boys with one diver to accompany each boy on the dive out Boys were rescued in the order of whoever volunteered first. (laughs) One of the boys, because they were all in good health, so they didn't have to really work with that. But one of the boys was thinking whoever lived the furthest away should leave first since they would have to ride their bike all the way home, not realizing the immediate attention their story had gained. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (sighs) That is so sweet. Because I also, the boys also didn't know how long it had been. Right. Um... So the boys were dressed in wetsuits, buoyancy jackets, harness, and positive pressure face full face mask. A cylinder with 80% oxygen was clipped to their front, and they were tethered to a diver in case they were lost in poor visibility. Mm. So, like, not only were they tethered, but the divers were, like, holding on to them. Yeah. So the doctor, ad- so this is, cr- this is where it gets crazy, and I don't think I even knew this. The doctor administer- administered an anesthetic uh, ketamine, ket- ketamine? Ketamine? Ketamine. To the boys before the journey, rendering them unconscious to prevent them from panicking on the journey and risk the lives of their rescuers. They were also given an anti-anxiety drug Xanax and a drug um, 
atropine atropine why am i not it's okay i don't know either to study their heart rates Jeez, i didn't know that i didn't, I didn't know, know that, that at either all. <sighs> it's like kind of spooky yeah but um, it's smart because but I, I guess i'm just like how terrifying to be like i'm putting you under and you're gonna travel out of this I would cave. prefer it that way. Uh, me too, but like, how terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my gosh, yes. So the Thai government provided, so the doctor who was administering mm-hmm. this, and his two medical assistants with diplomatic immunity in case something went wrong. Oh. Um, so the anesthetic only lasted 45 minutes to an hour, requiring divers, who the doctor had trained, to resedate the, re-sedate the boys during the three-hour journey. I know. My jaw's on the floor. I know. I can't. It is crazy. Um, the divers navigated them through tight passages carefully to avoid dislodging their full face masks against rocks. After a short dive to a dry section, so like kind of like halfway, the divers and boys were met by three other divers and the boys' diving gear was removed. They were then transported on a drag stretcher of 200 meters of rock and sand hills. So like this is where they get to a point where there's no water. Yeah. Another doctor would assess them and their dive gear would be put back on before they were resubmitted to the next section. Wow. Yeah. After the boys are after the boys arrived to the base of the cave, the boys were carried slid and ziplined over a complex network of pulleys. I just like did not know the extent of this rescue. Me either. Yeah. These people are geniuses. They're heroes. Um by the end of the first day of rescue, four boys were retrieved. On July 9th, four more were rescued, and on July 10th, the last four boys and their coach were rescued. The three Navy SEALs and the Army doctor who stayed with the boys were the last to dive out. Three of these divers made it to Chamber 3, joining the rescuers when the pumps shut off for an uncertain reason, so the pumps getting water out, likely due to a water burst. This forced them to hurry out of the cave, abandoning the rescue equipment inside the cave. Like, they were essentially just, like, booking it out of the cave at that point. Oh, my God. Uh, the boys were held in a hospital for at least a week, slowly reintroducing food as the boys lost an average of four pounds, which I was like, that's actually not that much for two weeks without food. But they're like small boys. Yes. They're, they're young. Yeah. That's a lot of body mass. Yeah. Um, they were also, and also they were eating then yeah. for a couple days. They were also given preventative antibiotics and wore sunglasses while their eyes readjusted to the daylight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an estimate of 10,000 people contributed to the rescue effort, including more than 100 divers, representatives from about 100 government agencies, 900 police officers, 2,000 soldiers, and numbers of, a number of volunteers. Wow. And that's the story of the, the Kate rescue. What a roller coaster. Yeah. So, um, were the divers and doctor like given medals of honor? I think they were. I think a lot of them were given, yeah, medals of honor. And none of the boys or the coach died. Unfortunately, two people did die from the rescue. A diver died, I think, from something with, I think he lost oxygen or something. Mm. And then another died actually a year later from a bacterial infection. He, Oh, um no. got from the cave the cave wow yeah so i remember that story playing out yeah on the news yeah and I, I remember like every day there'd be an update like, yeah this many boys yeah out yeah i didn't know the details at all yeah 
That is incredible. Yeah, the story is unreal. Um, Hats off to the people who did that, pulled that off. Yeah. And also just, like, amazing how people came together to rescue these boys. Yeah. And just amazing that they did it successfully. Yeah, and sad about the lives lost. Yeah. But for the most part, an incredible showing of humanity. Yes, yeah. In extreme circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the story. And you did an incredible job telling the story. (laughs) There's so many details there. Yeah, thanks Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I just can't get over the anesthesia that they were administered Mm -hmm. and then how they had to get re-administered and just like, like, also, I didn't realize it took three hours for them to get out of the cave. Like, I was like, you know, it's just things you don't realize. Wow, incredible. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I like feel like I need to take a nap after I listening know. to that. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. Yes. Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening this week. Yeah. Stay tuned next week for a special episode with Sophie and to be determined. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And have a great day. And rest of your week. And rest of your week. I already said that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's okay. And stay happy. As happy as you can be. Okay, bye. bye.